The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 265 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in La La Land, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. We're in the hot spot. Once again, L.A., center of the basketball universe i don't know center of rumor mills and trades that's what we're going to talk about today of course harden finally coming here i i want to see a barat i i he's one of those guys that bet just like randomly shows up in places looking like he's half asleep um he did that for the sixers for a while right and the nets so well it is amazing what a career like the guy who's almost his whole career has almost been defined by these trades now I mean, he had that one obviously stretch in in Houston where he was like an MVP. But dude, I don't know. Do we call it a trade demand to, to Houston, or is that not the original one? Oh, you're talking about like Houston. how many trade demands? You're talking about have OKC to Houston. No, yeah, that doesn't it, count for him. You don't think that counts? Why that would was that more count? Of like a mutual. I don't know because he didn't want to sign a I guess below market deal okay fine so that doesn't count but but also but by the way when we've talked about this in the past and we brought this up like Sam Presti did not have to move him he could have that's moved true. Serge Ibaka and signed hard like yeah so that's true you know okay so we're not counting that one but then there was a very messy trade demand to to Brooklyn and then a very awkward <laughs> trade demand after that and then another obviously really awkward one there. Like he might be the king of the sloppy, messy breakups. I, I can agree with that. I do think that there are there is a fair bit of nuance that like doesn't get talked about because like that's not really how the NBA is consumed now, right? The NBA has made kind of a a living, I think, being like the most important social media league, if you will, right? So like you you get things consumed in very small doses. And so there is reasonable things behind all of the hardened trade requests from his side, I think. But I do agree with you that like at a certain point, it's kind of like, well, what are we doing? But I do think that if we talk through like the Houston one is probably the most egregious in my opinion. I mean, everybody's kind of talking about like Brooklyn, but in Houston, you know, he was under a long-term deal. They had worked really hard. And then, you know, D'Antoni leaves, Daryl Morey leaves, and then Harden was basically like, well, I don't really want to be here if like we're not going to win. And so I totally understand that. But I do think that given what he had given to Houston and, and kind of what the city had given to him, that that one was, in my opinion, probably the most egregious. The Brooklyn one, you know, Durant wanted a trade. Kyrie Irving wanted a trade. Like everybody wanted a trade. Yeah. And you know what? I, I wonder if these stars, maybe they don't care. But if you look at the recent history of the NBA, the last 10 years. There's been a lot of these sort of trade demands, trade packages, stacking of potential super teams. And it really, like we've seen time and time again, like the idea of like trading a bunch, making your new team trade a bunch of assets to acquire you. And we can talk about whether they did that or not, but it hasn't really worked. You know, I mean, I think the one time it worked was the Lakers getting Anthony Davis and they won the title. But I mean, even that was a 
mean, they won the title in like the most odd season of the last hundred years. So yeah, but like the the times this movement has worked has been in free agency, like LeBron going to Cleveland, Durant going to Golden State. Obviously, as like I can think back of three, a little bit, but I can think of three midseason trades that I thought actually shifted a player. It worked though. So I mean, like Anthony in J- terms Anthony of like, Davis wasn't even really a midseason trade. Obviously, that right. happened. It was like the year before too. Right? Yeah. So that one. Rasheed okay. Wallace to Detroit. Yeah, but that was a different situation. That was no, no. Like, but you're 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 talking about specific. I'm just saying in general. I think midseason trades are difficult. Like I, I think it's. I'm know, not it's, even talking about midseason. I'm saying like the idea of a superstar demanding a trade yeah, as yeah, opposed I, I to working it. it in free agency. So like we won't talk about Damian Lillard until we find out if they win yeah. the title. And they do seem to be worse than Boston, but we can talk about that. So I I don't know honestly. Like I think that the. The decision by both teams is very interesting to me. Um, I do think that Philly, no matter what they tell you, I, I do think that Philly got less probably than than they needed to get. And that isn't to say that, like, I think it's very clear that this trade for Philly is to keep their powder dry, if you will, and be able to make another trade. Do you trade. have the specifics of the yeah, trade? Yeah, yeah. All right. so, components, yeah. so Harden goes to the Clippers along with, I believe, Philip Petrusev, who is going to be cut, and then P.J. Tucker. Uh, and then the Clippers send back, you ready for this? Laundry mm-hmm. list. Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, Marcus Morris, and then draft picks, which are a 2026 first round pick, which will probably be the Thunder's pick, although it's supposedly going to be the worst of the Thunder Clippers and uh, one other team. So you're talking and about like a 20th pick there, probably. Probably there, correct. Yeah. A 2028 first round pick uh, from the Clippers that's unprotected, two second round picks, and then a pick swap in 2029 from the Clippers. So basically, both all of those picks with the exception of the pick swap can be used right away and then all of the contracts they took back Batum, Marcus Morris and uh Covington I believe are expiring KJ Martin is is not but he makes peanuts compared comparatively and they got off PJ Tucker who they still owed money for I believe another two years so essentially it gives the Sixers just like max cap space next yeah. year with Harris coming off the books now they do have to sign Maxi who I'm assuming will get a max deal but they do have another spot to sign another free agent. But I think what's more likely is that they're just trying to wait like Daryl Morey did in Houston for like when a star comes available and then they can make a move with all these assets. Now, the problem is with that is that there's probably not that many available stars, right? Like who's going to really be available that also fits the Sixers timeline and play style. That's probably something we should discuss, but I think it's very clear that the Sixers were like, okay, we're not going to return a player of equal value. Batum and Morris and Covington and KJ Martin are all like somewhat useful rotation players, although the first three are probably quite a bit past their prime. Morris might be a little bit better, just he's coming back home to Philly and they need a floor spacer. But I mean, in theory, the Sixers are better because they have live bodies instead of someone not playing. But in, in practice, I think like, they did not return a team that makes them better on paper than they would have been with James Harden. Not right now, at least. Yeah, I think you're right. And also the trade package, like you're talking about a lot of like competent players, but they're redundant players too. Like they're all basically the top four guys you mentioned are all basically power forwards at this point. Yeah, maybe. And and maybe that lets you play Tobias at the three, but like he's probably better as a four. 
Covington, I think, is the guy that they probably will be the most hopeful is very good. But Marcus Morris is a good player. The, the, one of the issues, though, with this trade, and I think we'll talk about it from the Clippers side, but like one of the issues for the Sixers is like they have nobody who is a good passer of the basketball anymore. Like nobody. And, and you know, Batum is pretty skilled and Covington is like a decent catch and shoot guy at certain years of his career. Morris, same deal. Like who is getting these guys the ball? And, and you know, Maxi I think, is quite a good player, but, like, he is more of a combo than a point guard, and it's going to take him some time. He's certainly not going to replace Harden, who led the league in assists last year, but also creates so many open shots for other teammates not named Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. So I'm just very curious, like, the Sixers could be very bad on offense, but I, I do think So you're saying for this year, yeah. So it, if you're Daryl Moore, like, do you, is this more of a – let's stay afloat. We think Maxi can like absorb yeah. a lot. And, and then let's see. And then let's see what's available. Like my, my assumption. But do you think it's for this in season or for next off season? So I do think that, you know, this year's free agency class is pretty weak uh, in terms of unrestricted free agents. I think like Pascal Siakam is the best who I do think is very good. I don't know about his yeah. fit with Embiid. I thought I, interesting. Cause I have that up just now. I, one step ahead of you, the free agents for next year, are potential opt-in guys or opt-out guys. A lot of them have played for Nick Nurse, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Probably a bad, probably a bad thing based on his uh, press conference where he dumped a bunch of gasoline on the podium and then lit a match as he walked out the door. But because like Kawhi Leonard could potentially opt out if he wanted to, probably not. But you mentioned Pascal Siakam, Demar Derozan would maybe be that's, a good fit actually, no, but like that's he's old, yeah, and they have to pay Tobias Harris again. And that, uh, so they, I, I would assume they won't pay Tobias Harris. Like, I, I'm just going to say that. Like, my guess is that Tobias probably gets included in a package. But, you know, I, I do think that there's a couple things to keep in mind here from the Sixers side. And one, do you think Philly can attract an actual max free agent anyway? I think the answer is probably no. I think I, the answer is no. And then I think well, I was going to ask you this question. What's more likely them? finding a star in free agency or a trade market that wants to go to Philly, or is it more likely that Embiid wants to leave Philly? To leave Philly. Yeah. I, I think that's a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen right now. I, I think, I don't know that Daryl Morey is meeting with Joel Embiid about things like this. Um, you obviously, you probably should, all things considered. Yeah. I, I don't believe Embiid will win a title in his career as the best player on the team. I just don't think his play style works in that regard, but he is, very clearly one of the best five players in the NBA. And, you know, if he leaves, you're you're much further behind the eight ball. Because there is a world, right, Zane, where MB just goes like supernova for a month and they do win a title, right? Like I am very much yeah. capable of being wrong. He's one yeah, of the they, guys. they definitely have a puncher's chance, I think. Right. And so winning a few series. But like I think they're I think personally, Maury is basically like, all right, we need to get a guy to come here and then re-sign him when we have his bird rights and we can give him the most money. I mean, that's probably the best option they have. I, I will say this. I, I'm i like 50-50 that Daryl Morey is getting fired. Like, because yeah. I, I don't think the Sixers are going to be very good this year if they cannot make a deal. And so, like, let's just talk about your potential options, right? Like, it's like basically Zach Levine, right? Yeah. Maybe well, like, Siakam, right? Maybe you trade for, like, OG and Newbie, but, like, you know, he probably needs a better player with him. It's not like you're going to be like, you know, it's not like they're going to be able to trade for like Mikel Bridges, right? Like as that third guy. I think their path to the title is like, hey, can Tyrese Maxey be our Jamal Murray? You know, maybe he can near all-star guy. And and that's possible. And, 
and then that and Embiid is good enough, like Jokic is good enough to to win a title. Just, I just don't see it. Like, I, and and it's not that I think that Embiid is not good enough. It's just that if you watch Denver play specifically, and you watch the teams that have won the title in the past, the best player on the team. I guess with the exception of Kawhi and the Spurs are kind of a different like outlier anyway, but the best player on the team also gets other players like tons of shots. So like you watch Jokic last year in the finals and I understand that they played worse teams. Like I get that, but like Bruce Brown is like lighting dudes up off the dribble at the end of the game. Like Michael Porter is playing terrible. But he's still getting good shots. So you still have to guard him. And like the Sixers, it just doesn't work that way. They just get stagnant. And they were, and realistically, Zan, they were two hardened 40 point games away from being eliminated by Boston in five, right? Not even getting to seven, but they won two games because of how massive Harden was. And so, like, I just, I just feel like they need to find a third guy, but the type of third guy they can get, with the exception of, I have one player that I think actually would make some sense. I'm curious. Yeah. Let's hear it. Um, I just don't think it's out there, but I I wonder if the situation in Cleveland totally blows up. Can you make a big deal for Donovan Mitchell? And I don't even know if that's great, honestly. Yeah, because he I mean, he's like another small shooting guard. But he is a proven scorer in the NBA. He's a good personality. He does seem like somebody who would be into it. And so, like, that's my thing. Like, I just am, you know, like, I just don't see Zach Levine coming in and sure, like, maybe he'll score a bunch of points, but like, Levine, Maxi, and MB doesn't. Like that doesn't do it for me when like you're going to play a team yeah. like Boston, who's already so talented and is so talented on the perimeter. And like, you you just need a guy who's going to elevate your team. And like, certainly having Levine will make them better. But like, we just watched Zach Levine score 50 the other night and Chicago lost by 18 or 16 or something. Well, it'd be interesting to see how good Maxi can get. Like it's only been three games, but 30 points a game this year, yep. getting to the line, Seven times a game. Do you, do you think he'll shoot fifty six percent from three? <laughs> yeah, shooting fifty percent, but also you know thirty six and six. So the free th- getting to the free throw line seven times a game is probably more sustainable than the, obviously. Definitely, Maxie's really good. I think. Like so, yeah, I think like the the ideal guy is like, you know, Paul George, Mikael Bridges. You mentioned Mikael sort of Bridges, like, makes like a lot of sense. super three and D guy, Devin Booker, LeBron. Steph no, Curry. but I mean, Steph like, just was like around. He was available last year. I mean, like, you know, he's a kind of elevated since then. But. And we don't know, too. The other thing is, like, we don't really know who's going to become available, right? Yeah. Like, maybe something like I'm, I don't envision this happening because, like, what about OG Ananobi? Is he the, the sort of budget Mikel Bridges? I don't think he's good enough. I, I mean, I think he'd be a fine signing, but like, he'd probably be even better at than Tobias on like a max deal. But I don't, I mean, I think ideally you want your third player to be better than that. So do you think so you're saying Embiid cannot win the title with let's say like a Jokic level supporting cast even? I just I just don't think so. Like obviously like Murray was tremendously important the whole playoffs and if Max is going to get to that level, we'll see that gives you another option but like I mean Jokic like he didn't even like take a shot in the first half of game 1 of the finals and like they were like rolling and I I it, just be I, you I, know I think like the logical side of us is more like look if you hang around, you know, they're good enough. You're like, if you're a good team, if you're a top five team, you could win a title, you know, in, in, in a year, you know, in any given year, you have a shot at winning a title, even if it's 10% chance. And if you have 10 shots at 10% chance, maybe you win one eventually. Maybe you, maybe you get there. That's exactly right. Maybe you get but there. But we're coming into year, let's see, Embiid, you know, he didn't play his first two years, but he's played 10 years with this team. 
I mean, he's been in the league, you know, for 10 years, 10 plus years. So it's like, this is not like, you know, one of those situations where it's like Milwaukee hangs around, eventually cracks through Denver hangs around, eventually cracks through. Like they've had a long time at trying different variations of this. And they, they've never made the conference. They, they've never made it out of the second round. And they're, they're yeah. very clearly not as good as like, what move can they make? Like a realistic move is going to make them better than Boston. And and I, I, I will listen to some arguments that Milwaukee maybe isn't as good. Like I'm already pretty upset with my pick of Milwaukee over Boston in the wins yeah. draft. Like I just, Chris Middleton just looks toast. So, but what move is going to make like Maxine and beat is not as good as Giannis and Dame, not yet. And so like, what move is the Sixers going to make that's going to push them over the edge when like you and I, I think we both believe that Giannis is better than Embiid, right? On a yeah. day, day-to-day basis. Yeah. Like what move is going to make them definitively better than Milwaukee? And that's not to say like, I, I think that the Nick Nurse coaching hire, I, I think it's a good one, but there is a chance that Embiid's just like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like this is too, <laughs> you're, you're talking about two, two, two times in three years now. I understand that everybody seems to like, root against Ben Simmons and root against James Harden. But two times in three years, the Sixers mismanage a player, have their second best player want to force his way out of the league or force his way out of the team. And then like both times, it's like Daryl Morey's like playing scoreboard with the situation and talking about this. So like I just players notice that. So whether or not we as fans think that like the players are at fault, we're not the ones signing with the team. I just feel like the Sixers as an organization are viewed as dysfunctional. Yeah, and I do think there's just bad vibes, toxic vibes. Bad it's vibes. been that way for how long now? Since the Sam Hankey left, basically. Yeah, a long know? time. Like, and, the, and again, they, they've been a good team, but I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm very curious to see who becomes available, I think, is the key. Because, like, th- there is maybe a situation like this. I don't, I don't envision this happening. Uh, because I, I just don't think like Mark Cuban would let it happen. But there's like a scenario where Luca gets like super pissed off, right? And decides he wants out of Dallas. But does he want like, Philly? Like I, I just think Philly has a lot going against it to lure a star. Yeah. yeah. And I think like the idea of like an overbearing GM is something that people don't really like anymore. Same with coaching. And obviously the market is not like a glamour fun market either. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Well, let's talk about it from the Clippers lens, because obviously they get the best player in the deal guy who wanted to go there and you know they've assembled quite a great team for 2017 uh still a pretty good team with the players they have today but they probably need another move as well um and so you know i think harden fits quite a bit with paul george and with Kawhi in terms of like how he gets guys shots they've had real big problems with spacing in the past and basically it's been like, Hey, here's Kawhi, like get out of the way. Like now you can do that with Harden. They can alternate. So I think like that's good, but our, you know, they kept Terrence Mann and Norman Powell and everybody in Philly's acting like that's the biggest deal ever. But like how much better are the Sixers or are the Clippers today than they were Sunday? I think they're a good bit better actually, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Cause like their whole thing has always been like, you know, no one's like, I'm coughing. <laughs> Well, he's dying over there. You guys can't see this, but he's actually been coughing for like the last five minutes. And I'm not sure. I thought I thought he was coughing because like he was upset at some of the comments that I made because he's a big hardened hater. But then like I throw it over to him and I'm ready for him to kind of jump in and give his take. And he just starts hacking up along again. It's it's flu season, man. COVID and flu season. Are you back? I'm keeping this in. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm fighting a cold. I'm playing through injury. The NBA could learn something. <laughs> um, did you see? Hold on, real quick. While you're continuing, man, to talk, did you see that Sunday night there was like a press conference about how like the Sixers were going to not a press conference, but there was like a leak that the Sixers were considering load managing Joel Embiid because they played Saturday night and then they had a home game, their home opener Sunday night. So they were thinking about in in game three of the year load managing Joel Embiid on their home opener and they didn't do it. I just wonder if Adam Silver like called him up and was like, Hey man, this is, this is, this is not going to fly. Yeah. They really like snap back at that one pretty quickly. Sorry. I was trying to use my cough button. You know, there was a, <laughs> do you read this like Norm McDonald story? Do you know who Bob Euchre is? Yeah, I do know who Bob Euchre is. So if people who don't, he's an old baseball announcer. He was in major league for those of you that don't follow baseball. Yeah, he was the announcer in Major League, play by play guy. And so Norm McDonald visited him, and he, I guess he was like an off color comedy guy off mic. And there's a cough button, which is basically just mute yourself in case you want to cough. Like, cough you know, yeah. like this, like a, I'm going to press mute right now. And he said he would be like in mid play and like, oh, there's a pop up to, uh, you know, Tom Seaver. And then he pressed the cough button. He's like, Hey, look at the girl in row 48. She's got something hot body. And, you, and he catches it, you know. Why did you pick Tom Seaver for that? First of all, Bob Euchre announced for the Brewers, but Tom Seaver just an interesting one for your mind. Yeah, to I was go just thinking to. of an old player. No, no, that works. Tom Seaver works. You know, it's just it's just funny that you went with Tom Seaver. All right. Anyway, back to the Clippers. You think this makes them a good bit better? Yeah. Because I mean, like they needed a, I don't know if they needed it. I think the overrated, the idea that they needed a pure point guard type was overrated because their offense was fine, but it's just helpful to have. I think in the playoffs, yeah. they needed a, a legitimate playmaker. Yeah. And, you know, defensively, he's big, a big guard, at least, even if he's not like, you know, a good defensive player. I think he could just be their point guard, basically. And the I think the question mark is, and also just the fact that Kawhi and Paul George are good shooters makes fitting almost any star easy for them. And we yeah. see that with Russ. Like, Russ is fitting better in there than he did in the, with the Lakers. Yeah, I think the tough part is, I think there's a couple things. One, how much are they going to play P.J. Tucker? So, obviously, the roster is a little light on bigs to begin with, right? Yeah. So, Zubac is, is quite good, and then they have Mason Plumlee as a backup. But, like, do you feel comfortable closing games with either of those two guys? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, and who's playing the four? Like, are they just going to play, like, th- you know, four big wings and a center? Well, so, that's, that's kind of my question is, like, how often – so, we've seen Russ play with Harden before, and we've seen P.J. Tucker play with Harden a bunch. So, like – do we see the Harden, Russ, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Terrence Mann like lineup and Russ is like your nominal five man and you just spread the floor like crazy and you have three shooters and then Russ is like your diver? I, I don't know. Like, And and I think Teron Lue is a really good coach and I think he's a good person to try to make this work. But I do think the Sixers, like, are they looking to play P.J. Tucker as a small ball five? Like nobody guards him anymore. And so I, th- I think they're playing like I think everyone's thinking of Denver in the West. And so I think they think, hey, we could throw in Zubak or Plumley at Jokic, and Good. then we could play with four big wings. Because, like, Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter are not going to, like, you know, Gordon's good inside, but he, you know, Paul George can play. I mean, they will guard. crush you on the offensive glass if you do that. And, this, and the Clippers are already poor offensive rebounders, as is. But I would be surprised if they play two bigs, in a sense. Like, if you count Tucker as, like, the... No, they'll power. never... 
Yeah. I can't imagine. I don't even think Tucker and Zubach or Tuck, like you're saying, Tucker, Zubach, and Plumley. there will never be two of them on the floor. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't yeah, I agree. I think not. Unless it's like a really weird matchup. I don't know who's out there that would like make you do that. Yeah. Um, and, and to but be like, clear, what, what becomes of Russ? Like, do you think, like, it, what's the starting lineup? Do you think it's Russ, Harden, those two guys, and Zubak? Probably. I mean, they started Bones Highland um, on Tuesday night as like their other guy. And so Russ has the ball in his hands a lot. I, I would guess like Russ has come off the bench before. I think it makes more sense for Russ to come off the bench. Personally. Yeah, play Terrence man is like more of like a defensive guy. That's, there. that's, that's what I think that play Terrence man. And then you kind of like, cause, cause Russ Norm can, Powell, Hey, Norm Powell is better than the, either of those two guys. Yeah. And, and man is, uh, I believe hurt at the moment anyway. So uh, I'm not sure how long he's out for, but I do I think, think it, Sorry to cut you off, but like in terms of switchability, I think it helps to have Harden being a thick guy, Powell's a thick guy. I think they could guard, you know, like if if they play big wings, if I'm counting them both as big wings, like I think they can get away with a lot. I just the only issue is just like age to me, age and durability. Yeah. And this probably keeps their window open a year before like the CBA comes in and like really crushes them. And also like Russ is making less. So mm-hmm. they'd have bird rights. I think Kawhi and Paul George can both opt out and maybe they'll opt out and take a little bit less and then harden and they can sign all three of them and then pay a crippling luxury tax bill in 2026. But it does help to have Steve Ballmer, who we know is uh, insane and will pay a lot of money. But I, I do think that I, I do think that they are. They need a rim runner, in my opinion. And I don't know who it's going to be. Like I said, you could try to make it be Russ. I, I doubt it. So I, I think I, Russ is getting marginalized now, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, he's, I, I think his role is pretty good as is. Like coming off the bench, I think his role is totally fine. You just have to make sure he plays with the right team. And this particular Clippers team does have a lot of wings that can space the floor, like you said. Yeah. So you actually can probably, and you, and you can play Russ and Harden together for sure. Um, you you get into some weird stuff. They're very close friends, as we've talked about a bunch. So I just think that in a lot of ways, the the age and the injury thing is the most important. Basically, like if yeah, they can stay healthy, like you know what it's you know what it's like to me. It feels like Milwaukee in the sense that like Milwaukee won the title, but it did feel like their momentum was stalling. Was their window closing? And and the, they went bold in a way to like go for a win now approach. And I think the Clippers did the same. And I think they probably needed to, because it felt like, you know, we had talked about Clippers as a title contender, title favorite of the, you know, two or three years ago, but it, we, we stopped talking about them in that class. Yeah, they're old. They were, they were injured, you know, trying to figure their roster out. I mean, I don't know, you know, like Paul George is probably like, everybody thinks Kawhi is their best player, but like Paul George is probably their most consistent player at the moment. Kawhi, you don't know how healthy he's going to be. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think where do you where do you put them then? I, I mean, like I do think they're a top four team in the West. Yeah, I, I think, think they might be. I think they might be better than Phoenix. I, mean, I think Phoenix they're still behind Denver like, for sure. I, I I'm hesitant to like pass judgment on Phoenix. We haven't seen Brad Beal play yet. Um, Phoenix lost uh, Tuesday night to Wemby and the that was Spurs. Crazy. That but was they the didn't. I mean, one. they didn't have Devin Booker either. And you know, Durant. Like if you told me he bet the Spurs money line just based on how he played the last like minute of the game, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think this Clippers team can be better. Um, Memphis, another team that I'm like really kicking myself for picking. Although I did pick them before Stephen Adams was hurt, but Memphis, I think it's doesn't look like they'll be worse than the Lakers or worse than the better than the Clippers. Excuse me. Lakers seem just okay to me. 
Golden State looks friskier. Golden State looks good. Um, I mean, Steph looks really good, as we always just sort of forget. But I, yeah, I would say after after Denver, you could tell me the Clippers were the second best team. Yeah, I, think I do think it takes Harden less time to assimilate because of how he plays. Then this isn't to say that like he'll automatically be good, but it's just like he just makes great passes, and like then he takes the ball and he tries to get fouled and he shoots jump shot. He's he doesn't really like clog up what you do, right? But like, so, so say you're James Harden, like. What have you been looking for? You know, like we know the know, answer to this. We don't need to relitigate it. No, he I wanted, really don't. He I, wanted I don't. a long-term deal from the Sixers. The Sixers so thought Houston was unhappiness. He doesn't Sixers, care he as long as he gets that. I don't think so. I mean, the Sixers, I think, thought Houston was going to give him a long-term deal. They didn't do it, obviously, because of like you know they signed some other veterans. And then I think at the end of the day, he was like, "If you're not going to give me what I wanted, what we agreed on, then like." then trade me and that's why he opted in. But yeah, I just think that I, I, th- I truly think that this specific situation is because he and Daryl Morey had a handshake agreement last year for him to take less money, which he did take a lot less money so they could sign PJ Tucker. And so they could spend the money elsewhere. And then Morey basically told him, I'm not going to do this. And I think Harden knowing that he cannot say that that was what happened because he would get suspended. Morey would lose his job. Like, He'd probably get fined a ton. I think he was just like, this is the best way to handle it. But now nobody can talk about it. It's like a mob deal, basically. It's just but this like... What? The thing that keeps sticking in my head, like, he was like the master of like the heliocentric offense in Houston, putting up MVP historic numbers. And then he goes to be part of a, you know, a trio in Brooklyn. Wasn't happy there. But that, so, but that situation, that situation is unfair to put on anybody like it happens during covid they lose Kyrie Irving completely they they played like eight games they played like what 12 or 16 games together the entire time they were there because one guy couldn't play in his home arena and the team just told him to sit at home no that's true but I'm just thinking like in terms of like what role do you want with the team do you want to be one of the three super stars yeah. or and he goes to place with the MVP he didn't seem so very interesting. Contact aside, but wait, my point was going to be this. This is what st- stuck in my craw. And it was just a report. It was just a rumor that one of the things that turned Houston off from Harden was he mentioned in a meeting, I think, with a Doku, like, I can't wait to go back and being like a leading scorer of the league, MVP kind of guy. I mean, you heard so like, you, you, you had to hear, hear Doc Rivers interview with Dan Patrick or you did the, not. I heard him with Bill Simmons, but he kind of was bashing. So like Simmons with him. with with. Dan Patrick, he basically said, like, you know, for a period of time, Harden did everything they wanted. Like, and then when he didn't make the all-star team, he kind of went back to playing a little bit more selfishly. Now, my argument to that will be that his numbers don't really reflect that in the second half. And now, granted, there is a lot more to basketball than just numbers. But I do think when you have somebody like Embiid, who gobbles up so many possessions, like, I, I do think Harden probably, I think there's some truth to it. And I told you before, like, I thought it was absolutely absurd that he didn't make the all-star team and absurd that he did not make an all-NBA team based on how good he was last year. And I think that because people don't like James Harden, that shows through. And I think he has a problem with that. I, I was arguing with our friend of the show, Blake J. Harris, on our group chat about that, that I think that, you know, like, Harden, there's this, like, complex that, like, even when he was, in my opinion the best or second best player in the league, like people didn't like how he played. Like, so they just didn't pay attention to the fact that like what he was doing on a night in and night out, basically, Oh, he shoots free throws. That's it. And it's like, you gotta be kidding me. And so he comes to Philly 
He changes how he plays. Their offense is humming. With everybody healthy, they were one of the best teams in the league. And then they he doesn't make the all-star team. And then at the end of the year, when he's already been very, very good, he doesn't make an all-NBA team. And it's like, well, what's he supposed to do? He averaged 20 and 10. And I get it. He gets fouled less than he used to. He gets to the rim less than he used to. But like, we still watched him win game two against Boston, where he was like literally the best player on the floor against, I mean, results aside, Boston was probably the best defensive team in the NBA at, at their best. And so I just, I just, I understand that like maybe he wants to play that way, but we, even, even when he is heliocentric, he is still a better option because of how he passes than somebody like Embiid. Yeah. In my opinion. And I, yeah. And I think his like decline has been overstated um, in the sense that like judging from his peak in Houston, because in Houston, look like, I mean, the guy averaged like 38 points a game one year, obviously yeah. he's declining, he, but he was also like taking 10 more shots a game. That's not an insignificant number, no. you know, like, it's just like, he has a different role and it's just like, he was in a situation to put up the like the best stats possible. Yeah, like, and, almost and intentionally. Like they wanted him to win MVP. Absolutely, like, Maury did it last year with Embiid. Like he yeah. and he absolutely did it with Harden. The guy's playing forty-two minutes a night against bottom feeders in the West to try to score a bunch of points. And so it's like, like yeah. And then if you look at his like efficiency numbers, they're not that different. You know, last couple of years, sixty percent true shooting. It's like he's still, you know, I I don't think he'll get that chance here in in LA. To like be that guy again, but you know, I think if he, I think the key for him is just more like the durability. Like, can he go back to being like the guy who can play, you know, a huge workload, which would really help Kawhi Leonard? I mean, too. I mean, let's let's talk about Harden for like a second, and then again, we'll we'll shift to some other topics for the last like twenty minutes or so. But like, even though he played fifty eight games last year, right? He played sixty five games the year before. Um I mean, he still played 37 minutes a game two years ago and 36.8 minutes a game last year. So, like, it's still he's still a guy that when he takes the court, I mean, he has the ball a ton, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he I led just, the league in assists. No, he didn't actually last year. I thought he did. Was, no, he did, he led the league in assists per game last year, but total assists, oh, he didn't gotcha. play enough. Yeah. I mean, he's done that now twice in his career. He's averaged 10-plus assists per game each of the last three years on multiple teams, like – I just think he's he's not the scorer that he was before, but you are talking about a guy who he played 58 games, 37 minutes a game. He shot 21 points, 10.7 assists, six boards, and then he shot 87% from the foul line, 50% from two, and 39% from three. Like he, like you said, his decline is overstated for sure because of his reputation, in my opinion. But I don't I, – I would not bet on the Clippers to win the title. Just if that's the next question, like I still think Boston is probably better, and I still think the uncertainty about like how they assimilate and the injury concerns in the Clippers it just doesn't make sense to me. But if they won sixty games, would it surprise you? I'm not writing off Philly is dead. I think they have a shot at least to make the second round again, maybe the third round. Like I, mostly because I, I we'll see about Milwaukee. Like I think well, you kind of touched on it, but like Boston looks like a freaking juggernaut. Boston looks. Yeah, Boston looks really good. Boston Porzingis, and Denver look like looks awesome. Yeah, Denver Both looks really them. good. And so I think if you're talking about who's fighting for number two, I think Philly has a shot. And I right now would put the Clippers at two in the West. I think that's I, reasonable. I, I, as much as I love Durant, it's just like I was watching the game against Wemby. It's just like how many times, how many years in a row do I have to see the same like Kevin Durant thing of like you know playing with another star? The until he retires. Like, 
well, you know, the offense looks a little bogged down always. And you let's talk about these, like, uh, super shots. It's just like, let's talk about Victor Wambanyama for a minute, yeah. if that's okay with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, He is really good. I think he is very weak and it'll, how good he becomes will, will be like, how much weight can he actually like add? Like if he's like Giannis, he'll be the best player in the league, but he is the first guy that I've seen since Kevin Durant who looks so different when they do things, you know, like a lot of times you see these guys and they do these, like, like I'll pick on Chet Holmgren for a second, just cause it's, it's funny, but you know, he's lanky and he looks really awkward, right? And things, yeah. they look a little herky jerky. Like Wemby's like coming off pin downs and shooting threes. And it looks like the smoothest thing in the entire world. Like he looks like Durant in that regard, the way that he moves and he's seven, five. I mean, I don't think he'll be the best player in the NBA next year, but if he was, I don't think it would surprise me. Honestly, he, his skill package is, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even know if I can say it's better than I thought, but like right now he's just too sped up, right? Like it, the league is, it's, it's too fast for him, but once he adjusts, like he can do everything. He's, he's a bad ball handler right now, but like, again, he's 19. so like. Yeah, I, I've been I think so the Durant impressed with him. The Durant thing, I think, is a good comparison because he is more like Durant than you th- than we thought, right? Like, in the same way that he's going to struggle a little bit as a rookie, the same way Durant did. People for, forget, like Durant averaged twenty points a game on forty three percent from the field. He only shot twenty nine percent from three his first year, right? And because he needed to clean up his ball handling and his strength issues as well, right? And they were playing him at like. Remember, like Peter Carlisma was playing him at like shooting guard or something like yeah weird. yeah and I think and I think the Spurs also kind of have to figure out how to play Wemby too because like they're doing this thing of like Jeremy Sohan is like sort of their point guard or Wemby's their point it's guard or whatever bad. it is it's just like they don't have enough I, I want them to have like a floor general on did the you court. see like last uh, Tuesday night like Devin Vassell like the shots that he was taking down the stretch like they're letting him play out there letting him play free and easy I yeah would say. but that also Wemby's averaging almost five turnovers a game because they're a little yeah. bit like just mismanaged you know offensively and like could yeah. you play Trey Jones and like kind of settle this a little bit or maybe they want them to grow into like being these playmakers I, but it's 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 wild like I, I think like Wemby with like Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, and then like let's say Sohan and some other good players, like could be a title contending team in like three years. But I agree with you on Wemby's like arc because it's like you see with Durant, you see it with LeBron Luca, like they're pretty good as rookies, and then they take a major leap that second year and the third year. And by the third year, they're basically in their prime. Like, and I think he'll be there as one of the best players in the league in year three. If he sees something, I mean, it's possible. Like, he does everything but it's like i i'm trying to like explain this but it's it's hard but like the way that he does things to me is just so different like it you're not supposed to be seven five and like you're supposed to look like all limbs right you're kind of supposed to look like a bumbling stumbling doofus and instead it just looks like he's six four you know like it, it's just so smooth the way his he has like no wasted movement which is it's kind of like anthony davis obviously we've talked about this with anthony davis where like he looks like a guard sometimes Wemby's doing that and he's six inches taller. Like he he dunked. if he gets a little stronger, I mean the way he could finish around the rim is good. He be dunked scary. on Drew Eubanks, who I believe is 6'10, and it looked like he dunked on like me, basically. Like it is you, like that. Somebody's pointed it out too, but do you ever see the original Space Jam 
Yeah, and yeah. the last like, possession, like Jordan Mike, just like limbs yeah, like they were stretch out. But, but yeah, he had a finish uh, on Tuesday night where he like got fouled and just kind of like tossed the ball over his head. And I was watching inside the NBA, and Kenny Smith was basically like, "That's what happens when you're two inches away from the rim. Like your margin for error on things like that, like is just so much better than everyone else's." And they were calling him like Stretch Armstrong. And it's and it's interesting. I do think you know he he plays farther away from the basket than he'll he'll probably want to. Because I, I do think ideally when you have a 7-4 guy, yeah. like you you will want him to get as many finishes close to the rim as possible. But, you know, he's going to have days. Like his jumper is very smooth. Like I don't think he'll shoot 38% from three right away. Probably will shoot 30%. He'll take some bad shots. Like, But, I mean, he definitely looks like he can make threes. And I think, you know, if he tightens his ball handling up and he is able to add functional strength, once the game slows down for him, like, I mean, the sky is the limit. Like yeah, he, I think he's going to get stronger. He's going to get more forceful. He's going to, the shot is going to be average or above average. And yeah, it's not, I mean, like, I don't know the health issues, but he looks fine. He looks like. He does. I mean, he does. And props to him on the Slender Man that, costume. On that the, was, that was yeah. almost the craziest look. Awesome. It, like, it, it awesome. looked like you would hire that as like a movie prop or something. Um, the I whole rookie be... class looks pretty good, though, don't you think? I mean, Scoot's been struggling, but what do you just... expect? He's a volume yeah. athletic guard. That's kind of like what you expect, in my opinion. Chet has been very good. I, I think we're counting him as this year's rookie class. Uh, I worry about him from a strength perspective because he doesn't appear to have the type of body that can like really let him put on weight. Um, and he did get just absolutely buried by Jokic, but everybody does, so not really worried about that. Chet looks very good, uh, in my opinion. I would just be piling money on Wemby to win Rookie of the Year, though, by the way. Like, he's just so good. Yeah. But Brandon Miller has been. Brandon Miller's been good. Very you know, good. The Thompson twins have moments, especially like defensively and athletically, as you expect. Scoot's stats are even worse than I, than I thought. He's I mean, one he's for gonna, 18 from three. Yeah, it's going to be bad, which is, you know, which is by design. Like, nobody really cares. And, and this, I mean, like, Scoot also, 17 turnovers total 16 assists that's not ideal it's not good it's not great you want him to be derrick rose right like that's who you're hoping but you know what also like is this like an indictment major overreaction here based on four games but is this an indictment on the g league because the g league was supposed to be like hey this will better prepare guys to hit the ground running and it really hasn't been the case like kaminga hasn't hit the ground running jalen green's been bumpy scoot obviously he's been in the g league two years and didn't hit the ground running for the first week we'll see but hasn't yeah, been we, a big it's difference hard to, it's, it's hard to really but you wouldn't say like aggregate of the last couple of years the g league guys feel more prepared than the college guys no but i don't know that like we expected them i expected to, them to be a little bit ahead they're also much younger though and there there's less structure there and well, I don't know really if they're younger. The How are they much younger? I don't know about that, but they. Well, if you're, I guess you're just saying like somebody who goes to college for one year versus yeah. somebody who goes to the Jilly for one year. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's like really an indictment. I actually do think Jalen Green is going to be very good. Uh, he's had a pretty good start to the year, in my opinion. He's just not shooting it well from three, and if that comes around, I'm I'm actually like pretty bullish on Jalen Green this year. I, I like him too, but like he's been like as rocky as you'd expect like a raw prospect to be. I guess yeah. like I don't know. Yeah, Scoot. I I, I do think. You're on more to something with Scoot, in my opinion, than I think the other guys, because he was there two years. Yeah. And he didn't really get better uh, in the second year. But Kaminga, Kaminga has like meaningfully gotten better, I would say. But it's been a while. It took him a while. 
what is he? He's averaging 11. What is he year three though? I mean, yeah, he's year three. He's only 21. I mean, the, the warriors are interesting. Cause like Steph is just, he's just so good. I was going to say that um, from like a surprise perspective, like the Thompson twins being like credible NBA players is something I was not sure would happen. And I'm still not ready to say like for sure it'll happen, but them and Brandon Miller, like being capable of producing right away um, is, has been pretty interesting to me. So what are oh. the biggest surprises after a week? Not to overreact, but like Luka. things that you, Luca just being what really good. You're surprised. I mean, I mean he's, I, I, just for fun, I brought up uh, I brought up Basketball Reference's MVP <laughs> award tracker through three and four games, and uh, Luca has a ninety percent chance of winning MVP. And I do believe it just means if it ended today, but it just it just made me chuckle. Luca's averaging thirty nine, twelve, and ten through three games, basically. So I, I don't know. I mean, D- Dallas. I don't think Kyrie has played yet, right? I don't know how good they'll actually be. I, I think Porzingis has actually been like really really good yeah i was impressed with boston like i just think they're we expect them to be good but like i I just think they're just like seems so stacked and mark is smart like i i don't think they've missed him he's not really helping memphis's offense right i mean that's probably that's probably been the biggest surprise to me is that like memphis is zero and four like i i didn't really expect miami to be some sort of like world beater so them being Mm -hmm. one and three is fine cleveland's been a little bit worse but they've got some injury issues right now but like memphis has just looked bad yeah, right. like that was like my biggest surprise is because like I think Miami, it's not a huge surprise, but like, yeah, they're struggling. Kyle Lowry's averaging six points a game. That's cooked. scary. He's cooked as a starter. Um, but then yeah, Memphis, like the concern were borne out like even more than I thought. Like last year, mediocre half court offense with Jaw, even with Jaw. So you take Jaw away, you bring in Marcus Smart, he's not a good shooter. Their half court offense is even worse, and I thought they would use Luke Kennard to kind of solve that. They haven't been using Luke Kennard. He's not the guy. You got to. <laughs> I think he is. No one trusts him. But um, it's just like it looks ugly there too. Yeah. So like I, I think they might. I don't know what's going to happen to them. I don't the know. West gonna gonna be, the, West, the West is going to be the West is going to be like just incredibly interesting because like Minnesota's one and two, um, New Orleans is two and one, and I've watched New Orleans and like there's you know Zion is probably 40 or 50 pounds overweight still, but there are some signs that like new Orleans could be pretty good. Lakers Lakers Kings was like an awesome game, but like De'Aaron Fox got hurt. I, I don't, I don't really think I, I kind of feel bad for Lakers fans in the sense that like, they're probably just not quite good enough, you know, yeah. like they're well, and, and in hindsight, like, I don't think it's hard to believe because it's like, they got swept by Denver as much as you like, like Torian Prince signing, like is Torian yeah. Prince the difference between a sweep and winning? I don't. And then, so. like, do we expect like Austin Reeves is a clearly a better player than like we thought he was going to be, but he's had a very tough start to the year, and it's like, well, if he's going to get guarded a bunch and people are going to really struggle, like, and he's going to have to make shots, you know, can he do that on a on a regular basis? And I don't, I don't know. And again, Austin Reeves is certainly not the problem, but like they're just probably not deep enough, right? Like you said, like Prince. Like Gabe Vincent, you know, Cam Reddish is in their rotation. Rui, again, they're just probably not good enough. But well, and it's just like shoot, like shooting is king still. And so it just shows you, we touched on it the whole episode, but like if you have good shooting on the team, like T 
team building is so much easier. Like Golden State, like how many different guys can play with Golden State? You know, like Trace Jackson and you know whatever. And he was like, good. I, I watched. Yeah, him and the like other he night. could play. Gary Payton, you could play. Like everyone can play with this team because we can shoot regardless. And the Lakers don't have that luxury in the same way. No, they don't. They they really don't. And Gabe Vincent's not going to shoot. I mean, I think he's one for fifteen to start the year. But I did. I did watch the. I watched the Warriors and Pelicans. Um, the other night, just because I'm, I'm very interested in Zion. Like I, I just like yeah. can't not watch him uh, when he's on TV. And he, they were, it was on NBA TV. And Trace Jackson Davis was like very good. Four blocks yeah. too. I was really surprised. He's very active. He's a good player. I mean, the only thing he can't do is shoot. But again, like you found the team where you don't need to shoot. Did, did you see the stat? Like talking about overweight, Shaq was listed at like 320 or something like that. He, he was listed for at 315 for like his entire career. He recently came out and said what he actually weighed. Take it with a grain of salt. But do you guess the number? What do you think it was? What is his? What is his like time frame? Just like I think what you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know if it was his highest or when he won MVP or you know those years where he looked heavy. I don't know. Like I, it wouldn't stun me if he played at like three eighty. He said he weighed four twenty five. I I mean, he was a freak. Young Shaq didn't weigh four twenty five. No shot. But like. Lakers Shaq, if he told you like in 2001, I don't know, 400s, 400s too much. That sounds really high. Like, because he's not actually seven feet either. So, like, all these guys are like inflating their heights a little bit. But can you imagine being like Wemby or Chet, like trying to stop a 420 pound guy? I mean, I mean, honestly, like, Zan, like, uh, Jokic always surprises me because he always looks like, given his lack of muscle definition, you think he's fat, but he's actually like a pretty thin guy for like his size. He just has a doughier body. Yeah. But he just, buried chat in the post over and over and over again could you like Embiid and Shaq like those guys would kill him like Wemby at least he's just so long that like you can still cause a problem I think you know so our takeaways are Denver Boston finals lock it in Boston is I'm I'm yeah Boston's really good if Boston stays healthy I did see a hilarious video though the other day that was like people say Jalen Brown can't dribble with his left hand and somebody took a video and just mirrored it. So all the stuff was him with his left hand. And I actually was like, man, he's gotten so much better. And then a minute and I realized that's what happened. (laughs) He's shooting with his left hand. Um, Anything else? Any Halloween takeaways? Do you get any good stuff? I got no, I got nothing. We had a lot of trick or treaters. How about you? Not very many trick or treaters and our neighborhood's like young kids, which is nice. Although I was thinking, is it just me or does it seem like less TPing naughty kids these days? I mean, that didn't happen in our neighborhood, so maybe it is less, but. um... Maybe that's like the one benefit of like every high school kid being like antisocial and depressed and anxious and holed up in their room. Like there's no more like marauding teens. I'm they don't sure have there friends. They don't have enough but friends also, for a gang. But also you got to keep in mind, like, unless you're like you're the like old man on, on like, get off my lawn. Like kids aren't really interested in TPing your house, you know? And then That's when your daughter gets older, maybe you'll get your house TP. But like, we have no reason for people. We have young kids and we're not particularly active in the neighborhood. So like, who's TPing my house? Somebody yeah. Let us know actually. I'm, once. But also I everyone would... has ring cameras too. Yeah. That's a good point. I, maybe it's the ring camera. Criminals like, are you... getting smarter, Zan. Yeah. It's definitely like the police wouldn't care. And I, I'm just curious, like actually write, write me Zandrick Ellison at Gmail. If, if you do see TPing or egging, which is, I hate egging. That's the worst, but I just haven't seen it a lot. 
All right, write the old man if, if you see someone's house get egged. Anyway, he is Dan <laughs> underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show, Ellison at gmail.com. Fun first week. We'll be back next week. And uh, as always, Dan, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.